Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. This is Capital Sports 2.0 with uh, Alan Moore here. Now, of course, we're still all in lockdown. It's going to get more serious in Moscow from tomorrow. We're going to start off, and it's a lovely Sunday morning here in Moscow. This we're pre-recording, but a lot of breaking news overnight. Some very, very well-known football figures with coronavirus, uh, a very, very tragic death of a young ice hockey player, XFL, will it, won't it? Um, also, WWE will um and of course some strange let's just say injections in the world of football especially in arsenal football club to join me this morning today i have two of our our mainstays of our show of course i have mr andrew flint our man in siberia andrew how are you doing oh not too bad Alan. not too bad how are you very good indeed and then across all the way across the atlantic where it's well it's in the early hours of the morning with mr alex b alex how are you doing i'm fantastic how are you very, very good indeed. Very, very good. Thank you very much. Okay, so, folks, we're going to start off right away with uh, breaking news overnight. Now, we've discussed in depth on the show and with experts far more experienced, with far more knowledge than us, about what goes on in the murky world of football in terms of injections and support. And, of course, many years ago when um, Mr. Ranieri helped Leicester City win the English Premier League title, questions were not asked even when we knew that there was dodgy business going on all around it. So, what happened yesterday? Well, Ian Wright gave a very, very good interview uh, and started speaking about vitamin injections that he got while he was playing at Arsenal. Nine years ago, Paul Merson did the same thing. Now, Andrew Flint has a few more little bits and pieces well to add into it, but let's put it this way. To be able to run at the speed and the uh, frequency of these players it's not natural anymore. It is not natural, especially even with a big, big squad, it's still not natural. They have the very, very best of sports science, of nutrition, of everything there. One thing that crept into football a long, long time ago was a thing called EPO. Now, EPO, you think, oh, that's what Lawrence Armstrong and those boys are doing on the bikes. Yes, that's what they were doing. That's what they still do on bike racing. However, it's also what is in football. How do we know? If you look at even the very, very simple thing of the amount of deaths of footballers from heart attacks. Simple as that. This is not conspiracy, it's a simple fact. But to discuss the Arsenal issue, because that's what's most important to us right now, we're going to go straight back to Andrew Flint. Andrew, it's not much to do about nothing. This is a, quite a serious story and a deadly story because this could be quite bad. Guys getting unknown injections. We all know the footballers are many of them they're not stupid but they do as you're told what mm. is this story well i think actually that's the main that's the most important part of it. footballers do would do what they're told but i'd say to add to that you've got to remember in the 1990s uh sports nutrition was probably not even a phrase that existed in the the football lexicon over here so almost any change other than i guess pasta and chicken was seen as revolutionary so when it comes to actual sports science, players would not have questioned anything. They, would, they looked at Arsene Wenger as a very educated man, uh, but a slightly different man from a slightly different mentality. He comes in and he's telling them famously how to chew your food. I mean, how seriously you should take that phrase, who knows. The point is, a man comes in with very different ideas about preparing for games. Now, we, we've seen... The interviews you mentioned with Ian Wright, there have been interviews from years ago from other players um, where they were told they knew about vitamin injections, but there were other injections that they, they weren't so sure about what they were. Now, the 
the the style of football that Arsenal played um, beforehand, before Arsenal Wenger came in, was relatively slow paced, shall we say? Uh, you know, a lot of people possibly this is just, this is personally my take on it. A lot of people possibly would have seen the change in style, the change in pace, purely as the a revolutionary uh, approach to preparing for games, possibly without realizing what help they may have had. Now, you mentioned the word injections in sport, and nowadays you just have to be so, so careful about it. And um, like you mentioned, we've seen with cycling. When it comes to Arsenal and what they have, um, uh, well, the approach they took with, it seems clear they, they didn't explain to the players. Now, that in itself, for me, is a player that if there was nothing wrong with it, why wouldn't they not? Well, this is the whole thing because, I mean, um, for example, back uh, just over 10 years ago, the, there was a test uh, carried out on rugby players and football players in France on hair samples. It was a good way to check to see, you know, is there a history on the, uh, of, of, mm-hmm. of drug use, for example. One in five French footballers, okay, 32 footballers from the first and second divisions in France, one in five tested positive. So France is quite well known for that. Dubbing is a long history of football because we remember, like, say, Stanley Matthews and so on. They were getting, getting or amphetamines injected into them. The famous uh, German World Cup winning team in 1958, when they came back out to play uh, Hungary, they just seemed, well, the Hungarians said they, they seemed to just have endless energy. And uh, there were, like, used syringes found in the dressing room and so on. So it's, it's, it's always been there. And, of course, uh, I think with football, there's so much at play. And even though people say, oh, it doesn't work in team sports, that's complete nonsense. And what we, we, we don't seem to realize, it works in team sports like American football, hockey, basketball, baseball. Cycling is also a team sport to a, a fair degree, even though it's individualistic, it is, it is a, a team sport. With, with the, the sort of the miracle of Leicester, when you had a well-known, a well-experienced ex-cycling uh, sports scientist there, <laughs> And you had players who were going to this Dr. Bonner and other drugs as well. And that, that broke in the middle of the run into the Premier League um, title, uh, the title race. Nothing was done. Everything was still left as it was because, no, 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 it's not here, not here. And that, the whole focus switched to Rostov. And if we remember, the FC Rostov players, who were also neck and neck for the league title chase with Zenit at the time, there was a dawn raid at their hotel and every single player was tested. And they were tested, tested, tested. Same thing didn't happen with Leicester City. Do you think that this is going to just disappear? Because the evidence is there, as you mentioned, like the, the, that there should be questions asked. But will this just be like a, a, a Sunday morning um, spectacle and then nothing else, Andrew? To be honest, I think yes, probably. Simply because um, the stakeholders involved are uh, influential. Say. Um, it's the most popular, most valuable products um, that UK sport has. Um, what we've seen with the TV deals. And of course, at the moment, there's a lot of pressure on the contracts with players, the TV deals, and that's far too valuable to be, to be let slip in this sense. Um, we've seen English football, specifically with our, our favourite doctor, Dr. Rob. Um, you know, the, these are people that have associated with football in the country. So it will be conveniently swept under the rug. It's my fairly, I would imagine, relatively accurate um, assumption. Because people want to believe that footballers are clean. They want to believe it. Because like you said, it's that myth about, well, it doesn't affect team sports. It's only individual competition. I mean, that's a very convenient belief 
to well, become become reality. And I, I think uh, I don't think we will hear a great deal more of it because, like I say, I just think it's too hard for people to believe that their beloved football um, could be tainted in this way. Yeah, listen, we're going to go straight across. We're sitting there very, very patiently to Alex B. Alex, um, straight off with you, I want to ask uh, Colby Cave, the young Edmonton Oilers uh, centre. He passed away overnight. And um, what, what news, what uh, info do you have on that for us? Uh, well, you pretty much just summed it up. He was a young hockey player. He was 25 years old. He was he played for majority of his career in Boston. Then he got traded to the Oilers. Uh, he didn't have a very long career, so it's not so it's not very uh, I don't know impactful. But at the same time, you know something like this. He was young; he, his career was in front of him, was ahead of him. Sorry, and you know this is never good news. Anything like this, he had a he was in a coma. He had a brain bleed, and um, so he they took him to the hospital here in Toronto. But unfortunately, he passed away. Um, XFL. It looks like it's not coming back next year. Uh, the XFL sort of, uh, well, our prayers were heard, but they were not answered. The XFL <laughs> is probably going to shut down for good this time, much like its first run. Yeah, so it's kind of like the same thing. It, ha- it didn't have the highest ratings. Not a lot of people were watching it. At the same time, they were doing a pretty good job at trying to, well, I mean, they had, obviously, they were competing with the NFL. So they were doing as as well as they could, but they lasted only less than a season. And if all those big uh, sports leagues are coming back, we don't know about the XFL. The fate of the XFL is still sort of in the air. But everybody, all the employees have been laid off. Okay, oh, that's, that's, that, that is, that's, okay, that's, that's, that's different. Yeah. Alex, also want to ask you, um, because, because we, we, we've spoken, of course, and you've given capital punishment to uh, Vince McMahon. Um, <laughs> I think he, he likes punishment. I think he's into that kind of stuff. But anyway... Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's been you know, capital punishment. It was actually a WWE event. Yeah, so he, he actually he could. No. Yeah. Oh God. Capital okay. punishment. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. They stole the ideas from us. Okay. So anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, uh, WWE. Uh, I think is next. Um, and I think Raw as well. They're taping from tomorrow night. They're taping live again. So Fox TV and NBC seem to be pushing to go back on air. Uh, is that true that they? Ah, uh, well, I wouldn't be surprised if they wouldn't if they would try to do something like that because, of course, there's this whole like gap in entertainment right now where like all the sports shows are off, obviously. So like everybody who can sort of stay on air, which WWE is, they're gonna try their best to, I know, still have shows, still uh, have people watching them. The new, uh, we'll come on to it in a show a little bit later on. So the new. Um... Uh, Ronda Rousey uh, documentary series is out on uh, Netflix. I haven't seen that, but it, right. it, it, it does look interesting. She turned around and she, not slammed, but she said that uh, WWE is fake fighting. Did you hear about that? Is this recent? Was this? Yeah, it was like, I think it was. Was this after her being in the WWE? Yeah, and I think it was her basically um, trying to big up her uh, her new documentary series. But she basically said that like WWE is fake fighting. Well, what happened with Ronda Rousey is why she is still such a famous athlete was because at the time when she had her famous run, she was like very, um, well, she was like the best in the world at some point. After uh, after a while, after her first loss, the game kind of passed her by, There was, uh, which happens very frequently at the UFC. 
So people just get the average athlete, the average fighter just gets better and better. And so after a while, just old people, just old, old veterans of the sport sort of, sort of kind of get, I know, pushed over to the sidelines. So with Ronda Rousey, I don't know, she could be saying all this stuff because maybe she got paid to say it by Vince McMahon. You never know what they, what kind of statements they're being. Yeah, exactly. Statements that are made by WWE fighter, by WWE wrestlers or UFC fighters are a lot of the time just them trying to, I don't know, create some sort of buzz around their next fight or a documentary series or like anything that's going to happen. This is it. Because she basically said that the WWE uh, are fake fights for fun. Which is not really the UFC. It's real fights for not, not really, well, I guess for fun, you could say too, <laughs> but... Uh, the WWE, yeah. Well, I mean, everybody knows, everybody that watches the WWE, I'm assuming knows that it's not the most realistic depiction of fighting, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. like, what, why, it's, that's not the reason why people watch it. People watch it for the theatrics. So she's not really breaking any new uh, grounds here. But at the same time, Vince McMahon, he has punished wrestlers for going out and saying stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know what's going to was going to happen with this. I know. But I suggest watching the documentary. Right. Exactly. I think it, it is being looked. Is she going to appear um, or is she booked for WrestleMania? Well, I don't know if any bookings are being done for WrestleMania because obviously the whole pandemic just sort of swept the entire uh, sports entertainment industry under the rug. She, but she, I, don't, I, think, I don't think she's going to part ways with the WWE anytime soon. Okay. Like, I mean, you see the amount of damage that a lot of the, the, the fighters actually take in WWE, in, in wrestling. So it might be scripted, but it's definitely not fake. That is for sure. Um, before we, Okay, we're going to go back to Andrew, because uh, we're going to go back to you in, in just a minute. Um, Andrew, a big issue a lot around sports um, are contracts. And of course, mm. football, you know, transfers that were agreed. We now don't know what's going to happen because the lawyers get involved. You have a story from the English Premiership in rugby about a contract for Johnny May, of course, English, England international. What could be happening there? Because yeah. it doesn't seem so cut and dry. It's a similar situation with quite a, quite a lot of mainstream European sports, especially football, where contracts generally have the same start date from the 1st of July is when most contracts start. But Johnny May, like a lot of players, and... I think this seems to happen quite a lot uh, more frequently in rugby than in, than in football, that a lot of contracts are agreed months in advance. Um, Johnny May has played for Leicester for a number of years and he's got a deal to join Gloucester. And this is just one example because he's an English international. Now, Leicester and Gloucester still have to play each other this season. There are nine games left in the English Premiership. It's... It's virtually impossible because there's been, as to my knowledge, there's been no precedence of this, um, well, in the very long history of English sport since, at least in the last 60, 70 years or so, that uh, the English Premiership is not going to start, the English Rugby Premiership, not going to start um, until June at the earliest, and I would be amazed if it did then, which means that he would then have already signed a contract, well, he has already signed a contract to join another team, uh, but it's still part of the same season. The simple problem is that there are legal implications. You're not allowed to, well, I say you're not allowed, there's restraint of trade is a phrase that you see a lot. You can't prevent somebody from from working unless they've, they've broken their contract. Johnny May's not broken his contract, um, but then again, neither of the clubs. So it, somebody has to lose out. Um, 
no, it's I, I have no idea how this is going to be resolved, but I don't see an option other than the transfer being completed, and because you can't just rip up a legal contract entirely for for something like this. It, it, I mean, there's been no precedent for it. I, I imagine we're going to see a lot of cases where clubs will look for compensation in some way because they will be potentially out of pocket. Having planned to not be without this player at the end of the season, they're now left with a few games without that player. So uh, I don't see how the, these sort of transfers can be stopped. Um, but uh, we're going to see some legal wrangling for quite some time over this. Yeah, do you want to get uh, Eastle Cody or Legal Eagle batting in uh, for a chat on that? Uh, Alex, um... UFC during the week, uh, Dana White uh, was trying to look for a private island to have fights. Now, I mean, the insanity of this, whether it was just like attention seeking or I don't know, but it looks like he didn't get his wish and that one of the big, big fights, uh, Habib Ferguson, is off. Is that correct? Well, right, yeah. So, well, Khabib and Ferguson, this was going to be the biggest uh, lightweight fight like maybe ever. This is going to be one of the biggest UFC events, maybe even bigger than Khabib versus Conor McGregor. But uh, right. So this fight has been, they scheduled it. This is the seventh time they've scheduled the fight and it fell apart. So obviously this whole, this is like the, this for the lightweight championship belt. So first it started with Khabib. He went back to Dagestan and um, as the situation got worse, he was sort of told that he couldn't leave the country. So um, they wanted to have it in Abu Dhabi. They would ha- have all these fights until, um, oh, sorry, they would plan to have it like in all these different places. But until, of course, Dana White uh, bought, the, bought the island, the, called the Fight Island, which is 100% a real thing. And it's, <laughs> it's actually, I didn't think it was too bad of an idea because of it's a multi-billion dollar company. You know, they can easily afford to have that fight. Well, have that island, that fight island. I don't think it's a bad idea all in all, but ESPN, oh, sorry, with Khabib, they wanted to have Justin Gagey, who's another lightweight. Uh, well, he was like a top, I think he's like number four ranked against Ferguson for the interim belt, but that fell apart. Uh, the fight island is, well, the fights aren't going to be happening because obviously they want to endanger the fighters. That's kind of, yeah. So the fight has been pulled off, but that's actually a good thing because when, um, the UFC comes back, we're going to get the fight that people actually want, which is Khabib versus Ferguson. That is good. And look, also, one, one thing that came up that uh, there has been uh, overnight, we've got news that a WWE uh, employee has tested positive for coronavirus. Um, now, is this a wrestler or just an employee? We don't know. Or, the popcorn salesman of the... <laughs> well, yeah. I don't... Oh, it's becoming huge in the United States. I mean, just New York has more cases than, than the entire world. So in the United States, like they obviously they have to go on lockdown. There's all this stuff happening. There's employees of every company with with the virus, so not just the WWE. Uh, folks, we're going to wrap up for well, it is part one for us right now because we will come and do then a, 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 a movies and documentaries one in just a few. Well, we're going to record it and then we'll put it out a little bit later on. Two very very well known football players, uh, ex well. Uh, Kenny Daglish and Norman Hunter both tested positive for coronavirus. Both are in hospital, both are quite unwell. So, uh, of course, thoughts and prayers go to them. Uh, Kenny, a man I met when I was only a boy and one just the most genuine, nice people you'd ever want to meet. Very, very good guy as well. And um, 
Norman Hunter, who is better known as Bite Your Legs because of his tackling style. So, uh, ex leads player, English international. So, again, thoughts of first good to Okay. So, we're going to go out. So, I'll say thank you very much, Mr. Andrew Flint. We'll talk to you in a few minutes for the movies uh, documentaries. Looking forward to it. And to Alex B, you stay on the line and we'll talk to you in just a few minutes. Thank you. We will. We will. Okay. All right, folks. That's it for now. I uh, hope you enjoyed. We're going to get this up on the audio form uh, quite soon. And remember, no smoke without fire when it comes to Arsenal. So let's see where they're going to go with this. As Andrew Flynn said, most likely this is going to just be a Sunday morning bit of fun and nothing else is going to happen. Because if Dr. Rob Chakraverty can skate away without getting put in jail, nothing's going to happen. Talk to you soon. It's Capital Sports 2.0 with Alan Moore, Alex B and Andrew Flint.